0: You're listening to Women's Waves, a podcast by Vancouver Rape Relief and Women's Shelter. Every woman
1: needs, a sister. Every sister needs a woman.
0: Florence B. Lepage. Thank you for listening. I am so happy for the content we have for you today. So, if you've listened to episode two of Women's Waves, you heard that Vancouver Rape Relief traveled to Germany in April for the Third World Congress against the sexual exploitation of women and girls. It was hosted by Cap International, the Coalition for the Abolition of Prostitution. My fellow collective members Ashani and Sophia interviewed different women at the event to know more about the work they're doing for the abolition of prostitution in their own. Country. If you haven't listened to episode two, well, please do. On today's episode, we'll hear those same women from different feminist groups all around the world. They're committed to put an end to prostitution. Ashani As and Sophia asked them, What is their answer to different myths around prostitution? I'll let them introduce themselves.
2: My name is Miki Meiji, and I lead and have founded Kwanele, which means Enough in Isil Costa which is a survivor movement of women who have survived the system of prostitution calling for the
3: abolition of prostitution. My name is Ghada Jabour. I'm a co-founder of an organization in Lebanon called Kafa. Kafa means in Arabic Enough.
4: My name is Sarah Benson, and the organization is called Ruhama, based in
5: Ireland.
6: My name is Valerie Pelletier, but as an activist, I go by legal tender. Uh, and I'm with CLES, C-L-E-S, which is a consultation of the different
5: fights against sexual exploitation based in Montreal. My name is Sherry Jimenez, and the organization is called EVA Centre, for education, vision, and advocacy.
7: I'm Claire Kidet. And I'm a volunteer member of Mouvement d'Uni. My name is Essohe Aratisse. Um,
8: I'm the... Founder and executive director of um, Iroco Unlus, Associazione Iroco, that's the full name in Italian.
1: My name is Paola Cepeda and I am from Colombia. I am a member of Initiatives for Gender Equity.
8: So, how do you respond to the notion that there is no underground black market or street prostitution when prostitution is decriminalized?
2: Um, it's okay. So people uh, tend to have a tendency of arguing around about prostitution as if, if it was decriminalized tomorrow, people would be having sex in the open. Mm-hmm. The nature the the the, the the very private nature of this work renders women vulnerable to um, exploitation, uh, violence, and rape and other things. Because even though women would be able to stand openly in the streets and solicit uh, buyers for, for, for the purpose of prostitution, people are definitely not going to have sex in the open. And remember these buyers, up until today they don't have an identity. They still wouldn't want to be identified as sex buyers, which therefore means that we are still going to go to dark by spots and areas where the buyer has the control.
3: If the client or the sex buyer is able to reach the woman in prostitution, so as the police, so as the protection mechanism, the protection infrastructure. So it's it's a it's a fallacy. It's a it's a myth to say it is underground. No, if 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 sex buyers are able to reach there, so everyone can, should be able to reach there as well. Police says that there are
7: about. Um, between 35,000 and 40,000 people in prostitution in France. We as frontline NGOs think this is a little underestimated, but anyway, it gives an idea. Um, Our neighbor, Germany, uh, has legalized prostitution um, for about, well, 15 years now or more than that, and uh, there are between 300,000 and 400,000 people in prostitution. Some of them in brothels, and a lot of them um, illegally on the streets. And, and so, if legalization uh, was really the mean to um, prevent um, the uh, black market, then Germany would be an example of it.
8: When we come to the specific situation of Sweden, mm-hmm. you find that a lot of the countries around Sweden are still um, accepting of the sale of women in prostitution. Those people who move away from Sweden, they are not going underground. They are moving to these other countries to go and buy sex because it's easy there. Not because it's going underground. It's not going underground anything. Going underground where?
6: To begin with, they're not asking the right question or looking at the framework of the situation. They are seeing women prostituting as a nuisance socially, as opposed to seeing them as victim of a broader system and they are not uh, making the connection that all of this uh, emanates from the demand Mm -hmm. to begin with and as long as we're looking at this as something uh, to deal in terms of harm reduction we're again uh, not acknowledging that there are victims of the system that need support and that this has long-term traumatic consequences on women so we're not talking about the real things when we're talking about ways to make it passable in society. How do you respond to the idea that total decriminalization of sex buyers increases women's rights?
8: Now, let's talk about the question of rights. Mm-hmm. In almost all constitutions in the world, mm-hmm. we talk about the fact of human dignity. The, the, the basis, the core of, con, of most constitutions, if not all, is the fact of upholding human dignity. Mm-hmm. Now, let's look at international human uh, human rights instruments Mm -hmm. to which all countries who are members of the United Nations are signatories. The human rights uh, law, international legal convention, which says that we must all countries are obliged to promote the dignity of their citizens and to uh, um, ensure that their citizens are not subjected to any degrading or inhuman activity. Okay, now let's look at prostitution. What is prostitution? What constitutes prostitution? And from what survivors tell us, because they are the experts, They, they are the ones who've been there. The acts that are carried out in prostitution are such that they are degrading, they are inhuman, and in most cases, they are activities that respond perfectly to the definition of torture under international human rights acts. So from these babies, you cannot now turn around to say these activities should be legalized mm-hmm. so that you can protect the rights of these women. It just doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense.
4: Okay, well, the first thing is to take that word decriminalization and to say very, very clearly that. I, as a feminist, uh, as a, a woman who is, you know, operating in frontline services for over two decades now uh, and my organization and our allies fully support the decriminalization of the person in prostitution. You know, nobody should face criminal sanction for a circumstance which in the vast majority of cases comes from deprivation, comes from vulnerability, comes from marginalization and very often then comes also from coercion. So. The decriminalization of the person in prostitution 100% support that. It's very, very important, because when you have that, they you can provide sexual health services, you know, and they can access them without fear or without concern. They can report crimes because they themselves are not committing a crime. All of that is very, very important. However, if you extend that to also the entire system of prostitution, that is no help to the person who is in prostitution, because it gives all the power to the organizers and then also to the buyers who are completely normalized in their behavior. So, you know, it's also, again, not a hypothetical. It has been tested, you know, the levels of murder, the levels of violence against women um, in the legalized regimes are higher than other jurisdictions. That's also because their numbers are higher. But the other really important thing is that question of health. In the Netherlands, they have conducted a study and the, the, the health of those in the sex trade has decreased. Uh, and indeed, their reliance, for example, on anti-anxiety and antidepressants is noted to have markedly increased in the period since that they have um, they've actually legalized the sex trade. So again, I mean, the theory, you know, is not reflected in the actual, you know, reality.
5: We're dealing, first of all, in the U.S. I can only speak for the community I'm in. Okay, so you're dealing with a very vulnerable population of young women who are being brutalized in systems of prostitution. Um, and it's, it and just the fact that it's sometimes, too, for, for young women in our country, like prostitution is a continuum of violence that started early on. How do you access to health that, that the harms that this is doing, it's not about access to health. It's about the fact that just being in it, do you know what I mean, creates so many sort of the impact on the health and well-being of young people. It makes no sense to me.
2: Women in prostitution do not get infected because there aren't condoms. In the, in the South African context, you get condoms in each and every single corner. We get infected with HIV and other sexually transmitted diseases simply because there is the absence of the power in negotiation. There is a need to actually not look into legalising prostitution, but rather working towards, um, towards, um, um, you know, empowering economically empowering women so that women are able to negotiate safer sex.
3: My first answer is to say that uh, legalizing prostitution is a way to legalize violence. Um, of course, prostitution will not in, a, in 24 hours disappear. So as domestic violence, so as uh, pedophilia, so as child sexual abuse, we need a legal framework that condemns this, that uh, uh, that acts as a public acknowledgement that this should not happen. But yes, in reality uh, there will be abuses, but at least we will have a legal framework that is clear on this, and mentality will change with time. So we cannot under the excuse that it will always exist, Uh, Not uh, legalize it. Uh, So I think this is uh, an uh, erroneous uh, argument. Uh, Crimes and abuses may happen everywhere but we need a legal framework that actually says that women are not for sale (laughs) and prostitution is a form of violence.
8: How do you respond to the popular notion that feminist abolitionists have a moral agenda?
5: You know, sexuality should be about love and caring and an expression of love and, and all of that stuff. There's this myth, I think, that we are like against sex or against this sort of expression, right? It's not. No, it's in fact the opposite of, you know, what it is like around commodifying our bodies and the harms that it comes. So I don't know
2: where they get this notion that we want to chastise people. The system of prostitution is not necessarily about women's liberation for sexual liberation. It is more about men's access to, to women's bodies to commodify and objectify for their own sexual gratification, mm-hmm. not the women's sexual gratification.
8: Let's talk about, again, we're talking about what happens in exchange of sex for money.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: Now the exchange of sex for money and that is prostitution doesn't really have much to do with sex it doesn't have anything at all to do with the exploitation of uh, the sexuality of either of the two because and this we know from research that's been done both with buyers, Mm -hmm. especially and with the women in prostitution we know that Those who pay for sex are not paying because they are interested in the person selling, exploring his or her sexuality. They are paying for sex because they don't want to be connected on an emotional level with that other person
4: is almost framing prostitution as a sexuality um, to explore one's sexuality to explore you know one's desires through something that has become a commercial transaction is a complete nonsense you know I I consider myself a feminist I very firmly identify as a feminist but what i see in the the prostitution sex transaction is the denial of You know sexual creativity and exploration and bodily autonomy because what is happening in that uh, scenario is it is not the sexual desire the the sexual creativity uh, the wishes of the person who is in prostitution who are being facilitated here it is specifically the buyer in every single case so buyers don't rock in and say you know what can i do for you today you know how can i get you off That's absolute bullshit.
6: Their sexual desires, the desires of who? Of the sex buyer who wants to emulate whatever is in porn. Again, we're not talking about the person who's receiving this in numbers, day in and day out. And that's what I do as I try to make people visualize what it is like to receive 8, 10, 15 unwanted penetrations. So the sexual desires of whom? And the fact that there are things that a normal spouse would not want to do with them, what does that say about you know an equalitarian relationship so they are buying the consent of someone so that they can try out fantasies. How do you respond to the idea that prostitution involves a simple transaction of sex for money? I would have agreed with that when I was in prostitution, because I was fully dissociated, using my body as a thing that I own to use, as opposed to myself being my own body. And um, I would have endorsed that because I needed to tell myself this stuff in order to do it. And then the consequence came after. And I would like to point out that I was in such a high class niche, as they're describing, and I'm still as damaged as anyone else. So unwanted penetration repetitively in one's body is violence because even if you say you consent to this work, I can assure you that there will be waves of emotions in your life that make you not fully be consenting to every one of those. And consenting is already agreeing to limited choices in front of you. It's not proactive, enthusiastic consent. It's choosing to agree with the situation out of a limited hand of card.
5: It's not a transaction that's equal. That's the basis of that. Do you know what I mean? It's somebody that has money and power, okay? Buying a piece of yourself. We, as, as, as the prostituted person, does not have power. We, we are doing this for money, for economic, whatever the situation is. So it's a complete power imbalance of people buying. It's not a transaction. It's not a consent. In some ways, it's, it's not a consensual transaction.
2: Um, prostitution in itself is inherently violent. Um, except for that, we do understand that it is unwanted penetration of sex. Um, a sexual intercourse with a stranger that you do not know to begin with. Also, you do not want to have sex with. This is actually paid rape. The the fact that these men are paying us um, to have sex with us does not distinct the fact that we still do not want to have sex with them. Ideally, we wouldn't be having sex with them.
0: We need to start
1: questioning, what is consent? and why we think it is only a simple transaction. First, it is not about choice for women because it has been shown that prostitution is a system and a business. Prostitution is a mechanism of continuous cyc- violent cycles that make women normalize all the violence they've experienced. A lot of women have been raped, battered, sexually assaulted as children, And also there is a patriarchal context where, for example, if you're an immigrant woman or a poor woman, all of these struggles pushes women into prostitution. Also, socially, we have told women that their their bodies are there to please men. Secondly, it is not just a simple transaction. Because if we look at the numbers correctly, we can see how prostitution is a transnational business. It is connected from one place to another. For example, hotels, taxis, liquor stores. There are many businesses that benefit from the selling of women's bodies. When there is money that is exchanged,
7: what's the problem, what, what the problem is, is that there's no equality between someone who pays to obtain something and the one who submits because um, she or he needs the money to be able to have something to eat, or maybe to have a place to sleep at night. So um, this is not sexual freedom, you see, because there is, uh, it's very in, an, a very imbalanced relationship between the one that has the power, that has the money, and the other one who is desperate to, um, well, survive.
8: How do you respond to the idea that criminalizing sex buyers and johns will not eliminate prostitution and it will make it unsafe for women?
5: But I, well, the whole notion of it being safer doesn't even make sense to me as a survivor. I don't, you can't make this safer. So that's you are alone with a person. You are alone with a date or whatever, however you define that ex- situation. There's no regulation, there's nothing that would make that safer. And also just the harms of being commodified and what it does to, to women or those who, pro, who are prostituted, you can't reduce those harms. So none of it is. it's not about making it safer, it's understanding what, what it does as commodifying ourselves and that harm and also a culture of like buying and selling people. Those who are pimps, <laughs>
8: those who are the buyers, those who are the exploiters, those who carry out some of the most inhuman activities against these women. You're saying we should put them on the same level as the women themselves, and we say no. We say decriminalize women because you can't punish them for an activity that they have to do to survive, for the kind of exploitation they suffer. You don't punish them again for that. Instead, you shift the, the you, you shift the the uh, attention to those who have the economic power the buyers mm-hmm. and to those who exploit them those who know that the buyers are asking are demanding for these services and the ones who then exploit these women's vulnerability to sell them to these buyers mm-hmm. so that is the only way you can talk about protecting the rights of women. It's not by legalizing it. It is a very simplistic approach to say let's legalize it to make them safe. Some talk about legalizing it would um, protect them, would ensure they don't suffer. Oh really?
2: We do know that if we look at it biblically, the first four people on earth, uh, they murdered each other. But we have not come today and said let's legalize uh, murder or let's uh, decriminalize murder because
1: we are not getting rid of it anytime soon.
0: I think that
1: what we have to do first is to stop thinking that this is a problem that has always existed. We have to start thinking that we cannot normalize violence against women and think it is a common event. The truth is that women are not in the world to please and serve privileges to men. These ways of thinking are not the first time we have heard it. When women wanted to vote, when women wanted to learn, when women wanted more we were told but things have always been like this it is our job to see a new and different society and to say that it was always that prostitution has always existed is to say that women are there to serve men and this is a way that we cannot have an equal society
6: How would you respond to the argument that survivors who argue for the abolition of prostitution represent a minority voice?
4: You do have a few women who will say, you know, this is my free choosing, you know, uh, um, this is my free choice. um, and, And I don't dispute that, and I'll never dispute that if I'm working with somebody who is, calls herself an independent escort. Again, it comes back to as a frontline service, how helpful can I be? But even in those circumstances, in most cases once you build a bit of a relationship of trust you start to hear you know the difficult things you know that they're experiencing you start to hear how much this is wearing on them and you also hear their backstory as well which you know um is very rarely without some kind of um abusive experience or you know uh, experience where they had you know uh, poverty or debt or you know or, or simply you know neglect um, which might have been a factor uh, in then entering the trade in the first place.
5: I know there's, and I've I've met for all the years, I've met women who make that argument. They've enjoyed this. It's such, I'm telling you, I mean, and for all the women that come through our programs, it's such a small percentage of women that could possibly say that they enjoyed this sort of transaction. And that small percentage of women that say, yes, I enjoy how for all the hundreds of women I could probably ask each one is this something that you enjoy doing and they would all tell me no so I feel like how is a small percentage of women erase the experiences of hundreds and hundreds of women
8: are we going to allow that need if we can call it a need which is not of a very tiny minority to determine the lives of the greater majority Are we going to say that because some privileged women and men who for one reason or the other say they chose to go into prostitution, they are the ones that are now going to determine the 99.99% of those who end up in prostitution because of need, because of the violence
3: it is very often the argument of using of of hearing or listening to the voice of women in prostitution is always used as a counter argument to say look there are women who says that prostitution is sex work then my answer would be t- why don't you look as well at survivors who have exited prostitution, who have a certain distance and that are able to go back in memory and talk about what had happened to them? Because when you hear them, you say you hear that they never describe it as work, They never describe it as something empowering, they only describe it as abuse.
6: When they're saying that they're, we, we are only speaking from our individual experiences as survivors, that's a load of crap as well. Because we are the majority, but most survivors they just want to move on with their lives and get well, and they don't want to go public. Very few of us are willing to go public. But the, the girls who are in the pro lobby, who are like bragging about this, are usually not even on the first line of receiving these penetration. They're either they've done some a little bit of high-class escorting, which was never there everyday. It was always like a few times a month. Uh, like because it's a kick again this is a pornified neoliberal ideology that's just uh, synced into everything and and made it cool
0: this is it for episode three thank you for listening and stay tuned for more radical feminist content women's ways is produced in vancouver canada by vancouver rape relief and women's shelter you can find our episodes on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Mixcloud, and our website, bc.ca. What you're hearing is our theme song. It's called Sisterhood, and it's created by Music Liberatory. Sisterhood.